say welcome, and if you haven't been here, or if you have been here in the past four weeks, I will say it's good to meet you, and I'm looking forward to meeting you at some point. Three of those past Sundays were definitely a time of rest and reprieve for what we might call a, a, a mini-Sabbath or an extended Sabbath, mini-sabbatical, and I think it's so important for people to get away when you can, to pull and unplug, get away from the busyness of life and reconnect more deeply with God. That really is the purpose of a vacation or an extended Sabbath. Sometimes that happens through great recreation, like swimming in an ocean. Sometimes it happens by just standing in awe of the glory and grandeur of God. We had an opportunity to go to the Grand Canyon. And I walked up to that Grand Canyon, and it was a holy emotional experience. I almost broke down and started crying as I, as I crested that canyon. And no matter where I went, it was just a completely new view, and I was in awe of who God was. So when we pull away, we're able to encounter God in new ways. And so I encourage you to do that. I would have been here last Sunday, but we married our boy off, David Chin. So I've known David for 18 years. By the way, last week, Christy and I celebrated not only 21 years of marriage, but we celebrated 18 years of being here in this same church and in the same city. So despite me being a knucklehead and wanting to try to run away from God and run away from this city, the Lord just held our feet fast here in Colorado Springs and at Springs Harvest and at Freedom Church and at Antioch and now at New Life Midtown. And I'm praying to God that we go through no more name changes in the name of Jesus. But 18 years, I mean, I thank God for his faithfulness in my life and his faithfulness in this church. Guys, God wants this church to exist. He, there's something that God has for this church that is unique and that is particular to this people and to this location and to this hour of history. And I know because there were so many times when this church should not have existed. We should not have made it. There are so many times in our history where financially or from a leadership or volunteer perspective, we should have closed our doors. But God, but God, he has held us together because we have a prophetic destiny and a prophetic future for this city and for the nations beyond this city and for the current generation and for the future generations. And I'm signing up again. I said, I'm signing up again for that. I'm saying, God, whatever it is that you're doing right now in this hour of history that's going to touch and affect our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren to the thousandth generation, I want in. Yeah. I want in with everything inside of me. So God bless you guys. Thanks for being here over the course of the summer. I hope you were able to get rested and strengthened and renewed because we have a work to do. We have a work to do. Uh, I don't know if Christian mentioned family talk. Did you mention family talk, Christian? If you did not, it's okay. Uh, I think it's the 28th, so it's two weeks from today. And so this is a call to all of our family members and we're going to open up a door for those of you who are like, man, I feel like God is drawing me into this house and I want to learn and understand more about this. I want to open that invitation to you as well because there's some really important things that we're going to talk about two weeks from today. It's going to be in the late afternoon. We're going to be talking about our future. We're going to be talking about some things that we sense the Lord is putting on our heart. It's going to be at 4 p.m. So 4 p.m., 4 to 5.30. Then after that, we break bread together and we enjoy time and fellowship. So I hope that you guys can make it. All right, so I'm going to jump into the Word because I feel the clock bearing down on me. 
but I feel like there's so much inside of me. I'm going to give you a disclaimer for all of those who've never heard me preach before. This is going to be the sloppiest sermon you have ever heard in your life. It is going to be the sloppiest sermon. But here's my hope and my prayer that there is something of the Holy Spirit that he's going to take and like a fireball, he's just going to release it and he's going to send it right into your belly, that place where the Holy Spirit lives and something's going to come alive inside of you. I have been praying and I have been, I have been crying out to God that God would waken the dead in this church, that God would rouse the sleeper in this church, that those of us who find ourselves in religious slumber and who are satisfied with every counterfeit lover in this world, I'm praying that God would open our eyes afresh and anew to the beauty and the brilliance and the majesty of Jesus, that he would capture us again, that we would run in the lane of God for the things that matter in this world, that we could say at the end of our days that we lived life well in God. I'm, I'm, there's, a new, there's a new fire that's burning inside of me, and I'm praying that God give us a grace to pursue him like we've never pursued him before. So I'm going to go to, this is going to be, a good preacher said this. He's been in ministry for many years. Jonathan actually pointed me to him right before I went on vacation. And he said, Pastor Jade, here's my encouragement. He said, don't preach a sermon when you come back. Give us your musings from vacation. So these are going to be my musings, <laughs> my musings, all right? And I want to start with 2 Timothy chapter 1 because this is what I've been praying. And I've just been sitting and soaking and saturating and camping here in 2 Timothy chapter 1 along with many other uh, verses. But there's something that's been coming alive in me in 2 Timothy chapter 1. And we're going to look right here. We're going to look right here at verse 6. But before we get to 6, I actually want to jump up here to verse 4. There's something that's really powerful in verse 4 and 5. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit of the living God, would you breathe afresh on the words of Scripture? Holy Spirit, would you disorient us today? Holy Spirit, would you awaken our hearts and open our eyes? Holy Spirit, would you fill our lampstands with oil? Fill our lampstands with oil today, the oil of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, make us into new wineskins that can carry fresh wine for the hour that we're living in. Holy Spirit, marry our hearts to Jesus. Reveal the beauty of Jesus to us. That every other lover, every other counterfeit pleasure in this world is shown to be the fraud that it is. It's exposed to be the fraud that it is. Because there is nothing and there is no one that can satisfy our hearts like the eternal pleasures that are found at the right hand of Jesus. Right. I'm asking you today, God, to transcend poetic words, transcend volume, transcend this preaching, God, and speak directly to the hearts of every single one of us. And I'm asking you today by faith in the name of Jesus. If you agree with that, say amen. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 4. This is Paul. He's writing a letter to his spiritual son, and he's writing, many scholars believe, at the latter years of his life and potentially from prison. So to give us a little context here. Paul is seeing the light of his eyes grow dim because he knows that any moment now, his race is going to be completely run. His life is going to be over. And so he's writing to his spiritual son. He's passing on the things that are most important to him. Timothy is a young man that Paul picked up on one of his missionary journeys. 
And we find at the beginning of 1 Timothy chapter 1 that Paul actually assigns Timothy to stay in Ephesus. He says, I'm commanding you to stay at Ephesus because there was a great stronghold of darkness that was in Ephesus. We find this in the book of Acts. God comes in power. There are people that were serving witches, witchcraft. They take their books and they burn them because the power of God comes and invades that city in power. And then over the course of time, there are teachers that come in and they begin teaching false doctrine. And so we find in 1 Timothy chapter 1, Paul says, Timothy, I'm assigning you to a new post. I need you to go to Ephesus. And I'm commanding you to teach to them to address the false doctrine that's happening. That's 1 Timothy chapter 1. Beautiful, beautiful book. It's one of my favorites. And now in 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul is addressing Timothy again. And he says right here in verse 4, recalling your tears, son, I long to see you. Listen to the intimacy here. I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived. Say lived. Do you know that your faith is alive? Your faith is a living thing. The faith of God is something that is alive. I'm going to keep saying that until I see something happen inside of you. Because you need to know that faith is not a dead thing. It's not a cerebral thing. That faith is not a sterile, stoic thing. Faith is something that's living inside of your very being. He says, when I think about you, Timothy, I think about your grandmother, and I think about the faith that was alive inside of her. Things that are alive are dynamic. They're active. God has called us to be an alive church with a living faith. And things that are alive should grow. Listen, just because you're living and breathing doesn't mean you're living in the life of God. Just because you're singing a song doesn't mean that the life of God is in it or on it. I want us to cry out for a living faith that is growing that the roots of our faith go deep into the heart of God and it produces fruit. Jesus said this in John chapter 15, this is what pleases God, that we bear fruit and fruit that remains, fruit that stands the test of time, fruit that endures through every storm and every disappointment in our life. And the only way that our lives are gonna bear fruit in God is if we have a living Faith, where our roots go into the word of God and the spirit of God and the presence of God and the power of God in a fresh, dynamic, living way. After 21 years of marriage, all of those years haven't been alive. Are you hearing me today? I want a marriage that is alive, a living marriage. I want a relationship with my son that is living that is vibrant, that is chaotic and creative and spontaneous and full, full of wonder. That's what your faith is supposed to be like, church. So Paul says, Timothy, I'm reminded of this faith that lived in your grandmother. And then she passed that faith on. She imparted something into her daughter, Eunice, who's Timothy's mom. And look at this multi-generational Example here, guys, listen to me. 
The faith is multi-generational in nature. If you're living for just this generation, if you're just living for your life, you are missing something in God that has the power to hold you in God for a really long time. In fact, if you're just living for this moment, if you're living for a spiritual high in this moment, friend, you're missing something. Because I'm praying prayers like this, God, when I'm in my 80s, I want there to be more fire inside of my bones in my 80s than in my 40s. I want more fire in my belly. I want more fire in my eyes. I want my prayers to be stronger in my 70s than they were when I was 17. That's the kind of prayer that I'm praying. A prayer, a faith that lasts and endures for decades. Because the faith is multi-generational. The reason why God captured you is because you're supposed to capture somebody else with what God is doing in your life. Everything that God does in your life is not for you alone. Every battle for freedom that you're fighting through right now, freedom from drugs or freedom from depression or freedom from images that you've been fixating and fascinating your eyes on, God's going to deliver you and it's not just for you. It's for your spiritual sons and daughters. It's for kids that are in our church right now. I've been praying for the infants. This morning, I was praying for the infants. I was crying out that God would visit our infants because there's going to come a day where I'm not doing this anymore. In 18 years, I'm going to need another generation with strength in their bones and fire in their belly to to reap the investments that we've been pouring out. Guys, listen, if you will invest seed in the spirit, there will be another generation that doesn't have to plow the same way in the same battles that you and I have plowed in the same battles that we fought. And we're going to equip them to fight the new battles that are for them in that generation. All of this right here in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 4. It's a living faith. It started in your grandmother. It was passed on to her daughter, your mother, And now I see son lives in you. But look right here at verse 6, if you would. For this reason. For what reason, Paul? For the reason that we have a living faith. For the reason that we have a multi-generational calling and destiny on our lives. For this reason, son, I remind you. I remind you. See, I remind you. Don't you thank God for the holy reminders in your life? One of the reasons why I love this church is because I can't escape any of you from giving me a holy reminder. It's exhilarating and it's annoying all at the same time because, because somewhere I'm going to look at in, in the eyes of some intercessor or some prophet or some elder or some person in this house and they're going to know whether or not I've not been living right. I can't escape you. For this reason, I remind you, son, to fan into flame the gift of God. I might just go in and out of preaching and praying all morning long. I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, the gift of God. Everybody put your hands on your belly right now. There's another translation that says to rekindle the flame. And for those of you guys who know anything about campfires, you know that if you don't put wood on the fire, the fire goes out. And so sometimes what we need to do is we need to get down there and clear out the ash and we just need to breathe. And we need to breathe on that flame. So that the fire of passion and the fire of hunger and the fire of holiness and the fire of righteousness and the fire of right living, that it would just, it would burn bright inside of us again. I want you to know today I've got a prophetic word that every one of you has a gift in God that's been given to you. Every single one of you have a gift in God. There's many gifts, 
many gifts that he's given to you. Some of you have discovered those gifts. Some of you have ignored those gifts. Some of you have abandoned those gifts. Some of you have fought against those gifts. But every single one of you have a gift that God has given to you. Numerous gifts, songwriters, a gift of connecting with people, gifts of leadership, organization, gifts of administration, gifts of caring for people, gifts of preaching and prophesying and praying, gifts of passion. Some of you, you walk into a room and the the atmosphere changes. You know what that is? That's a gift. Some of you have gifts of discernment. Gifts of art, gifts of literature, gifts of understanding difficult concepts and being able to break them down and make them simple. Friend, that's a gift that God has given to you. Some of you, God has given you a gift to connect with different kinds of cultures. You thought, I'm just a third, I'm a third culture kid. No, God has given you a gift to connect, to be a bridge builder, to be a reconciler. Everybody just keep your hand right there on your belly and I'm going to pray and I want you to pray right now. God, today, would you fan into flame the gift of God that is inside of us? And Father, today, and if you need to do this, do this right now in the secret place, right now, and repent for laying down your gift. Repent for letting your gift grow cold. Repent for letting the fire of your gift burn out. And right now, Father, right now in this house, collectively, we look up to heaven and we lift up our voice and we ask, oh God, by the Holy Spirit, breathe on the embers of the gift of God inside of us again. Lord, we used to write songs Lord, we used to love reading your word. We used to get revelation regularly, and we've grown cold, and we repent of it, but we cry out today, rekindle the flame of the gift of God in our lives. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, breathe, breathe on the fire of our passion. Breathe, God, on our leadership. Breathe, God, on our administration. Breathe on our creativity. Breathe, oh God, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. When you don't understand the purpose of a thing, you'll abuse it or you'll neglect it. And ultimately, you'll end up losing it. You'll ultimately end up misusing something if you don't understand the purpose of it. Some of you, God has called you to stay on stages and lead worship, and you're more uh, enamored with what you're going to look like or what you sound like than turning people's faces to Jesus. It's called a a misuse and an abuse of the gift of God. And so I'm praying that in this hour that God would, he would sanctify the gift of God in our lives. Because every gift that God has given to you, he's given it to you for the sake of the people that are around you. For the world and for the generations to come. Go with me if you would to Psalm 84. We left off on Psalm 84 five weeks ago. I gave you musings about cultivating friendship with God. One of the places that we used was Psalm 84, and I want to read the first seven verses. Verse 1 says, How lovely, how lovely is your dwelling place. How lovely is your dwelling place. Some of us need to get into that and pray that over our lives until it becomes revelation. See, the reality of the word of God doesn't become real to you until it becomes revelation in your spirit. Because you can read that and say, how lovely is your dwelling place. And by the way, lovely doesn't mean cute. Are you hearing me? How how sweet. Oh, isn't that sweet? Isn't the presence of God sweet? No, it's not sweet. The presence of God is the most desirable and attractive place that you could ever find yourself in. 
And there is no place on this incredible planet that God has created out of his creative goodness that remotely compares to the beauty and the wonder and the glory that you will find in the presence of God. So when the psalmist says, how lovely is your dwelling place, he is saying exactly what Sidron said earlier. There is no other place on this planet that is going to satisfy the deepest achings of my very being but the presence of the living God. Hold your spot on Psalm 84. Go to Psalm 16. Go to Psalm 16. I told you it's going to be a sloppy sermon. (laughs) But I've kind of done away with, you know, nice homiletics and good sermon outlines a long time ago. I want a word that's going to awaken you guys. Psalm 16, verse 11, the psalmist says, You have made known to me the path of life. And he says, You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Did you know that you were created for pleasure? I said you were created for pleasure. Here's how I know this, because every single one of us in uh, in this room has something that we take pleasure in, whether that's food or a sport or vacationing or whatever your thing is that you take pleasure in, that you just love it. You touch that thing and you say, man, I feel like... I just, I just feel like I'm in heaven right now. You were created for pleasure. You were created to experience pleasure. So let me just speak to those of you who've had backgrounds, religious backgrounds, for you, you know, for whatever reason, your background wasn't like this background. And you were sold a deceptive idea that in order to be faithful to God, you had to kill all of your emotions, That you couldn't experience emotion in God. I'm here to tell you today that is a lie from the devil. And here's how I know. Because some of you will shed tears if your favorite sport team wins. Or you will shed tears if your favorite sports team loses. And if you can experience that level of exhilaration over a sports team and you can be stoic in the presence of God, friends, listen, this is not a condemning word. This is a word of invitation. I would say to you, you've not encountered the living God yet. Because you were created for pleasure. Look at this verse again. Look at Psalm 16, verse 11. I want this revelation to explode inside of you. That in the presence of God, there is a joy that you will experience that is unlike any other joy you've ever experienced in your life. A joy. This is where I love the NIV, but I think the NIV falls short here because it says, you will fill me with with joy in your presence. There is other translations say, anybody know what the other translations say? That in your presence there is a fullness of joy. That there is, there is an overflowing, inexhaustible well of joy that never runs dry in the presence of God. Some of us are bored. Like we can't stand five minutes in the presence of God, but we can binge watch a series on Netflix for eight hours a night. Friends, I'm just here to tell you, listen, this is the word that the Holy Spirit gave me yesterday. If if you find yourself bored in God, here's what you need to know. That every other pleasure in your life is either a counterfeit or it's an appetizer. Every other pleasure in your life is either a counterfeit 
or it is an appetizer. Because the scripture tells me that there are eternal pleasures in the presence of God. That there are eternal pleasures. So dead religion that wants to try to cut off your ability to feel and experience, it's trying to keep you away from the very lifeline that will bring excitement and joy and passion into your relationship with God. There should be nothing in this world. But let me just say this. Experiencing pleasure in God will help you experience pleasure in life in the holy and healthy way that it was designed to be experienced. Some of us get caught up in perversion. Hear me now. Like, we've, we've, we've got to allow our desire. We're so perverted. We're so bored in God that now we've got to continually up the bar to try to, like, hit some kind of sens sensation inside of us. Do you know why that is? Because you haven't touched real pleasure. You haven't touched real pleasure. And until you touch the pleasure of God, you'll, you'll constantly be trying to get another high, another hit of dopamine from your social media account or from those images or from perverting something that God created to be good, holy, pure, and beautiful. But when you touch the pleasure of God, it puts every other pleasure in this life in its appropriate place. Go with me to Matthew chapter 13. Lauren, you're doing a great job back there. You know, it was unclear to me how we were going to get into this. But here's what was clear. And Jonathan, I want us to go back into Jesus at the center at some point before communion. Here was what was clear, that we're, we are to renew our vows to Jesus today. That's what's clear to me. And I'm going to do the best I can to kind of fumble my way into that. But at the end of this, I want us to say, God, I want you to help me declare war on every other lover that is in my life that is trying to steal my attention. Guys, we are living in a distraction-saturated culture, and here the purpose of the spirit of distraction is to keep you out of the presence of God. Like, you've got to see the strategy here, that if all of these silly distractions can keep you out of the presence of God, then you're going to keep feeding yourself on lesser pleasures. We've, we've been hoodwinked. We've been blinded. We've been deceived. I've been saying this in my prayer life. God, come and expose every fraud. Every fraud. Netflix is a fraud. Snapchat and Twitter and all these other stupid, they're, they're frauds. They're frauds. When I can find myself burning up 30 minutes scrolling through Instagram, scrolling mindlessly, you know what that's called? It's called a fraud. And I can't spend three minutes in the word of God. Some of you will say, I can't spend three minutes being silent and quiet in the presence of God. And here's why. It's because all of those other images and sounds and songs and sensations, they have saturated your very being. And they're designed to keep you out of the presence of God. They're designed to be a counterfeit. But I want the real thing. I want the real thing. Matthew chapter 13, look with me if you would. I believe it's verse 43. Verse 44. 
Jesus is telling a parable about the kingdom of God. He says the kingdom of heaven is like treasure. Say treasure. Treasure is valuable. The kingdom of God is the most valuable thing in your life. Whether you realize it or not, and most of us don't realize it. Like in the natural, the most valuable thing in my life is my marriage and my family. But the kingdom of God is more valuable than my children. The kingdom of God is more valuable than 21 years of faithful intimacy with this woman. The kingdom of God is like treasure hidden in a field. Notice that the treasure is hidden. You ever think about that? The presence of God, the beauty of God, the brilliance of God, the wisdom of God, the revelation of God, the eternal things that are hidden from us. And they're hidden because they're valuable. Because God rewards those who seek after him. There is a reward for seeking after God, friends. And you know what the reward is? The reward is him. Jesus is the greatest reward that you could ever discover in the life that God has given you to live. It's him. It's him. How many of you ever found yourself in a moment of desperation and God broke through and he gave you revelation that unlocked everything? Anybody been there before? Guys, listen, there is no greater reward. There is no greater reward. That when God breaks in and gives you perspective on the things that really matter in this, this little measly life that we live, there's no greater reward than that. That when God burns up every other thing that vies for your affection and your attention, and in a moment you catch a glimpse that he's worth it, you know what? That's a reward. And there is no greater reward. Or when you find yourself scratching on destiny and purpose that gives you a new sense of discipline, that enables you and empowers you to give your time over to things that matter, there's no greater reward than that. There's no greater reward than pressing in in the place of intercession and knowing that you broke through on behalf of somebody else. There's no greater reward than that. There's no greater reward than being lost in the presence of God for hours and, 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 and actually grieving the fact that you've got to come out of your secret place. Guys, there's no greater reward than that. There's no greater reward than leading someone to Jesus. Has anybody in this room ever led someone, ever, ever invested into a conversation, and in that holy moment, you had an opportunity to be the reaper? Anybody ever experienced that? There, there is no other exhilaration on this planet like leading someone out of darkness into light. Nothing else is worth it. Nothing else is worth it. A few weeks ago, many of you guys know Steve Rannells. He spent several weeks in Mexico, and he came back. And Steve, how old are you? Steve is 78, and he's got more strength and more vigor and more energy and more passion than all of us in this room combined. <laughs> Guy puts me to shame, and this is what he said to me. He says, son, when you found your purpose, there is an inexhaustible supply of energy that you tap into. When you find your purpose in God, that is a reward. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. You know, we, we've, lost our, we've lost our seeking. We're, not, we, we, we're, just, we're, we're, we're satisfied with lower level things. And that's what it is. We're satisfied with lower level things. We're satisfied in the matrix. And I just hear God coming, just calling us out to touch the real thing, to touch the heart of God. To find the treasure, 
that makes us say, God, I want to seek first the kingdom of God and know that you will add all these other things to me. The kingdom of God is like treasure hidden in a field that when a man found it, he hid it again and he went back. And what did he do? He sold every single thing that he had. Everything. Sold the guns. Sold the cars. Sold the card collection. Sold it all. Because he had revelation in that moment that this treasure far surpasses everything that I've accumulated in my life or that I've worked for up to this moment. But friends, listen to me. That happens by revelation. You don't even have, and I don't even, we don't even have the ability to discern the value of God without God. I want you to understand this. A couple of days ago, my, my little boys, there's a, we have a next door neighbor, and he, he's, he sets up this little table outside of his driveway, and he's got these baseball cards. And so, so my sons are like, oh, I, we want to sell baseball cards too. And so, you know, they've got all these bootleg baseball cards that they're trying to sell. And, you know, oh, that's sweet. Here, son, here's a dollar. And, you know, it's, it's cute. But then one of the boys told me, they said, yeah, Chase just sold a Ken Griffey Jr. card for $75. And I was like, oh, slow the presses. Hold on, wait a minute now. We got $75 rolling around in these cards. Maybe I need to start paying attention to what's going on. And then they said, and then Kenya said, he's like, I think there needs to be an app that shows us the value of these cards. I think that's brilliant. You need to design that. Make millions of dollars and tithe to, low, to New Life Midtown. <laughs> Sometimes we need help discerning the value of a thing. And listen. The spirit of religion will try to convince you that you know how valuable God is. You don't. If you sit here and look at me and tell me, oh, yeah, I know how valuable X, Y, and Z is in God, all you're telling me is you've been deceived by a spirit of religion that has been sent to your life to keep you satisfied. Because you don't know how valuable he is. I don't know how beautiful he is. One glance will wreck your life and you will never be the same again. One glance in the eyes of God will cause you to declare war on every counterfeit fraud in your life, and you won't bat an eye or think twice about it. And if you're not there right now, I'm not there right now, but friends, listen, I want to be there right now. I want to be there. I want to be in that space where the glance of God matters more than anything else in this world that I'm willing to sell it all to cash in on. I found the pearl of greatest price. It's Jesus. It's him. And he'll put everything in perspective. He will align every motive and priority of your life. Everything will begin to make sense when you get captivated and captured by the reality of God. Kingdom of God is like treasure hid in the field. And it's hidden because we're supposed to search for it. We're supposed to search for his heart. We're supposed to search for revelation. We're supposed to search for breakthrough. We're supposed to search for healing in God. We're supposed to, we're supposed to search for him. Are you hearing me today, church? Stand with me to your feet. Listen, this is what happens. When you get in God, you'll get in one verse and you'll get lost. I meant to get to Psalm 84, 1 through 7. I couldn't get past verse 1. Hold your hands out if you would. This is not a condemning word today, church. 
we must have the grace of God to be pursuers. However you engage with God right now, however you interact with God, I want to invite you now into this space. You can, you can pace all over this room. You can set up an altar at your chair. You can lift up your hands high. You can bow your head low. Whatever it is, however you engage with God, church. As the worship team goes into this song, I want us to engage with God. I want us to wrestle with God. Jacob wrestled with God. He wrestled with God. And God touched him and changed his name and he was forever changed. God, I am so dissatisfied. I am so dissatisfied. I need something more. I need you, God. I need you. I need you. I need you. I need you, God. I need you. I need you, God. I need you. I need the resurrected one. I need the one whose eyes burn like fire. I need the one who carries a sword in his mouth. I need you, God. I need the presence of God. God, I repent right now of every other pleasure that has been a counterfeit in my life that has lulled me to sleep. God, I pray shaken, shaken my life, God. Rouse me out of slumber. Oh, God, awaken the dead in this house today, I pray. In the name of Jesus, cultivate a holy hunger cultivate a holy intensity and a holy desire and a holy conviction for the living God and for the things of God for revelation God we need revelation we cry out for revelation we cry out for revelation God open our eyes give us eyes to see and ears to hear give us ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying in this hour today give us minds that comprehend and hearts that receive I want us to sing this nothing else matters Nothing else matters. Nothing in this world will do. Nothing will do but your presence, God. Jesus, you're the center. Everything revolves around you. Can we just sing that? Nothing Jesus. else matters.
I want you to ask for the grace of God to make, to make God the most important thing in your life. This doesn't happen by willpower. We can't just power up and say, we're gonna to respond to this. We must have the grace of God. God is inviting us every day, but we must have grace to discern and respond to the invitation. God, I'm asking today that you'd become the most important thing in our lives. That your voice would, your voice, God, would mean more to me than, it, than any other voice. It would mean more to me than the judgments or the opinions or the applause of man. God, I want your voice to matter more than likes and comments and hearts. God, I want your voice to be more important to me than anything else. I want your voice. I want your voice. I want what you say to matter more than what anybody else says in my life, God. I give your voice supreme priority. I give your voice preeminence, God. I give your voice weight in my life. Friends, however it is that you say it, just begin, begin wrestling with God. And if you don't, if you don't have that one to, ask God for the one to. God, I don't have that one to, but would you give me the one to to pray dangerous things? God, would you reorganize my life and reorient my life around what matters most? Reorient my life around what matters most, the presence of God, the assignment of God, the person of Jesus, the purposes of God. Right now, I'm asking for a glimpse of eternity, that you would give us eyes to see what really matters today, God, today, 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 right now, right now, in this moment, Holy Spirit. Some of you don't know how to pray this in English, pray in the Holy Ghost. God, I don't even have the words to ask you, but I'm asking that you would pray in us and through us by the Spirit of the living God. Awaken a holy appetite. Awaken a holy hunger, God. No other lover but the love of God. Just sing that. We're gonna we're gonna go to the table, but sing this, Caitlin. Drown out, Drown out the voice of every, other every counterfeit. Be silenced right now. Drown out every other lover. Drown out the voice of every other lover. Drown it out by the voice of God. Can we just sing this about three more times all together? Lord, we want your voice to reign supreme in our lives, oh God. church so I want us to renew our vow and our dedication to God as a church and here's what I, I'm asking you to do something for me 
I'm asking that when you see my fling low, I'm asking that when, and you do it in the right spirit now, don't be nasty about it. But when you see that I just kind of slip into just cold, sterile, lukewarm, I want you to come and I want you to ask me how I'm doing. I want you to ask me if I've been in the word. I want you to ask me if I've been in the presence of God. I want you to check up on me. Because, because every church should have a pastor who is burning for God. And every pastor should have a church that is burning for God. Right? Like, let's burn. Let's be a lampstand where the fire of God is burning in the lampstand of New Life Midtown. Amen? I want the fire of God to burn in the candlestick of New Life Midtown. I want lost people to come in here, and I want them to say, I don't know what it is, but there is something that is otherworldly in this place. And I can't put my finger on it, but I want some of that. Guys, it, listen to me. If we go five or ten years and we just sit back and every one of us are just, just these boring, commercial, plastic Christians, I will have failed miserably. Like, you should be bothered. It should be impossible for you to be a lukewarm Christian at New Life Midtown. You're either going to get on fire or you're going to run out of this burning house. And listen, I don't want you to leave. I love you. I love you. I don't want you to leave. Let the fire of God burn inside of you, friends. Get in a small group. Get in a small, hey, listen, we're starting up table groups. Will you do more than just sit around and talk about stupid stuff? Will you do more than just like come and eat people's food? Will you come and will you be a log on the fire of a table group? Will you pray and provoke one another? Will you stop talking about politics and things you can't control? And will you pray? Will you intercede? Will you please pray for my children? Will you please pray for my children? Will you pray for the children in our city? Will you pray for the pastors and the churches of our city? That's what a table group is supposed to be about. Let's, let's, let's dive in, shall we? Let's dive in. So I want you to come up here, receive the body, receive the cup, and we are going to vow ourselves back to God today. And Martha, I need you to make it cool in here, okay? Because I'm on fire up in this place. Come on. Holy Spirit of God, come right now. Come fill the body. Fill the blood. Touch the cup, God. Touch this wafer. Holy Spirit of God, right now, as we come to this table, let us reconcile with our enemies. Let a new hunger fill us as we come to this table. Holy Spirit of the living God, set fire to our bellies as we put our lips to this cracker and to this juice, God. Marry us to Jesus again, Holy Spirit. Marry us to Jesus. Come and infuse these sacraments. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Epiclesis. Come. Come. Presence of the living God. Come right now. This is a holy moment, friends. Lord, I pray right now that if there's any of us that are taking this cracker and taking this juice that are far from you, that we'd get saved. That we'd get saved right now. That holy repentance and holy conviction would touch us even right now. Lord, I pray that renewed love of Jesus would fill us right now as we take the cracker and as we take the juice, that we would experience the living God right now, right now in this space. Holy Spirit.
Holy Spirit. Friends, my prayer is that you would not hear one ounce of condemnation in any of this. I'm on a journey. In fact, the verse I wanted to get to is in Psalm 84, where it says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Guys, we're pilgrims. And you know, the end destination of this journey is the heart of God. We're on pilgrimage. We're on a journey, we're on a great adventure, and we're walking with God. He's inviting some of you out of the boat, he's saying, come walk on water. Some of you are in tax collector's booths, and he's saying, come, come, follow me. Some of you are mending your nets, and he's saying, come, follow me. We are on pilgrimage with God. I had a man come up to me as we were all receiving the, the table, and he said, I had this picture where I was on my knees, and I was like proposing to the Lord, and I looked up, and it was the Lord who was proposing to me. When I say that we're renewing our vows, listen, we're not the starting point, okay? It's God saying, come be married to me again, Hosea. Come be married to me again. Come be married to me again. I'm after your heart. Guys, God's after your heart. And I promise you, you stay in this yoke here long enough, you're going to be different. There's going to be chains of addiction that are broken off of your life you've wrestled with for years. Hope's going to spring up inside of you again. You're going to turn into a mad woman. Some of you are going to turn into mad women. You're going to pray like you've never prayed before. You're going to press in and break through, and it's going to be the most exhilarating thing you've ever experienced in your life. And I pray that we would run fast and hard and long in God until he returns. Would you hold this in your hands right now? Oh, God. Lord, thank you that the body of Jesus was broken for us, the son of the living God, the sacrificial lamb of God, the darling of heaven was crucified. You gave up your very best to marry us. You're jealous for us. Your love is a jealous love. It's a holy love. It's a furious, radical, passionate love, God. And right now, Lord, I pray for a baptism of the love of God to touch every single one of us. 
And Father, I pray that we would be a people. God, we respond by saying, make us a people. Make us a people of the love of God. Make us a people who respond. Let us always be responsive to the voice of the Spirit. May we always be willing to scrap everything and say yes to the Holy Spirit. God, I pray, make us a people that hate sin, that are utterly disgusted and terrified at sin. And Father, make us a people who love righteousness. We vow to you today in the name of Jesus. Let's take that breath. Hallelujah with the cup, which is the blood of Christ. The blood of Jesus was shed for you, friend. He spilled his blood for you. He took stripes on his back for you so you could be healed. He spilled his blood to drive away the iniquity in your life, to break generational cycles of sin, patterns of sin that have existed. He died so that those could be broken and you could start again. And we say yes, say yes. yes. We say yes to that. I say yes to new trajectories that are being released in your life right now. I say yes to what you are going to sow and seed into the future generation, both biological and spiritual. I say yes to that. I say yes to that. And God, we vow to you today by the power of God and by responding to the grace of God, we just say we are all in for the purposes of God. And Father, I pray today that you would empower us to declare war on every counterfeit fraud in our lives. From money, to titles, to positions, to media, to sex, to food, to recreational hobbies, to low-level things that clamor for our hearts. God, today, expose them in the name of Jesus. Let's drink the cup. Hallelujah. That's good juice, man. Good juice. Well, praise the name of the living God, church. Forever and ever, amen. Let's sing a song of thanksgiving. I'm so grateful. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. commissioning word today. Five more minutes. When you're in the word and you want to close that thing, I'm just going to say five more minutes. Right? Before you jump into your emails, spend five more minutes in the presence of God. Write in your journal five more minutes. Prophesy over your family and your destiny. Five more minutes. Sit with God five more minutes and let that grow until he just envelops your life, friends. Amen. Amen. The city needs us. We were born for this hour of history. Now go in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to walk with him in his mission in the earth. In Christ's name. Friends, we got people up here that want to pray with you. 